Well, thanks be to God for the glory that we see in Christ Jesus, the resurrection of his eternal son, and the reality of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, that we are able to be revealed with him in glory when we follow and trust in him. Well, I'm going to read the gospel passage from Matthew today, the resurrection account. That's our gospel reading for today. And if you would, this Easter Sunday, if you would stand with me in honor of reading the gospel passage today, uh, I would love to have you listen to how Matthew recounts the gospel story. So would you stand as we read the gospel passage this morning? Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 10. Listen to the word of the Lord. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven, coming to the stone. He rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes and were as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead just as he said he would. Come, see the place where they laid him. Now hurry and go and tell his disciples. He's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given this message to you. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them on the road. They came and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I am going into Galilee. They will see me there. The gospel of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, I, w I want you to imagine with me an event in your life that, that was so transformative that it made you feel something different. It made you feel something significant. Something so transformative that you saw in a different way. Something so transformative that the words you heard after that event you heard in a different way, and there's no real way to describe it other than the fact you've encountered something so life-changing that the way that you feel, the way that you see, and the way that you hear will never be the same again. Well, I warned you that after I got married, I was going to use my marriage as a, as a as a, as a metaphor in sermons for the rest of my life. So, of course, on Easter morning, I have to talk about the happiest day of my life, which was my wedding day. But really, what I want you to look at is the rehearsal. 
You see, I was standing up there going through the motions, and it, for a pastor, it's the greatest metaphor of the, the kingdom, the already not yet presence of the kingdom, right? We're already in the sanctuary. Everyone's here, the, the minister, everybody's in the places that they should be, and yet we're not quite there yet. It's not the wedding day yet. We're just rehearsing, going through the motions for the wedding day. Well, I'm standing right, actually right there. And the, Danny, my friend who's marrying us, is standing right next to me. And, and we're getting to the point where the bride is going to come around the corner with her father. And then I feel like this moment is coming. And it's so significant in my heart. I don't see her. I don't hear her. I just feel that it's coming. And then the song that she picked comes on the speakers and I hear that she is coming around the corner and then I see her with her father. And of course, me, I just bawl, which is a surprise to everyone, I'm sure. I never cry in service ever. But she comes around the corner and it's just immediate waterworks because I know the event that's happening is going to change me Forever, What I feel, what I see, what I hear is never going to be the same again in my life. Because it's not so much something that I did. I was part of it. I made sure that I gave my commitments. I gave my full self to that wedding ceremony. But it was also an event that was happening to me. I was being transformed by the work of God that was happening in that union and will be forever transformed. The way that I feel now, the way that I reflect on those moments, what I saw and what I heard left me changed forever. Well, as we look at the gospel passage today, this is what's happened. You see, the, the Mary and the other Mary, who we assume to be Christ's mother, was heading to the tomb to just look at it. You see, there was so many rumors about him rising from the dead. They trusted what he was going to say, but they, they weren't sure about what was happening. And, and so Mary and Mary, the mother of God, got up to, to walk and just look at the tomb. And Matthew tells us it's the dawn of the first day of the week, which, which means that it's after Sabbath, it's after Passover. And Sabbath and Passover were days that they remembered Exodus, that God was delivering them. And so the first day of the week was always met with expectation of, well, God delivered us out of Egypt. What's next? What will God do for us now on this first day of the week, the beginning of something new? And that's really why the church gathers on Sunday. See, Sabbath was the day of rest on Saturday, and they arose on the new day to worship the Lord, to see what the Lord would do. And Sunday is the day of the greatest work of God in all of the universe, time and eternity, raising Jesus from the dead. So that first day of the week, Sunday, is why the church then gathers every single week to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We have been shaped by that for the last 2,000 years, and it all started that first Sunday, the day after the Sabbath. 
And so they're going to the tomb wondering what had happened. They're they're not sure what to expect, but they get to the tomb. And the first thing that happens is they feel an earthquake. They see, they, they have an angel of the Lord come down and him rolling the stone out from the entrance of the tomb and sitting on it. They feel this massive earthquake of rocking the stone away from the tomb. And then they, they see the angel of the Lord that his face is like lightning, his robes are white as snow, and he's just, he's sitting on the stone that was blocking Jesus too. A, a, a posture, he could have been standing, but he's sitting there, and I picture him with his legs crossed. He's just like, yeah, this is the way the world's going to be now. The world of the resurrected Lord. We can sit back and take it all in because the Lord has risen. It's the posture of peace that he's sitting on this stone. It's like, yep, there's Jesus, defeated death, and he is no longer here. I'm going to sit back and take it all in. And that's not how the people responded. They see this angel of the Lord with a face like lightning and clothes white as snow sitting on this stone and an earthquake happens and the stone is rolled away and the guards who have been paid to guard to keep Jesus dead, the, the guards that were there were so in fear that they became paralyzed by that fear like dead men. And the angel of the Lord looks over to the women, to Mary and Mary, mother of Jesus, and says, don't be afraid. So they've already felt, they've already seen, and they've already heard a message of the resurrection. (laughs) This is a a earth-shattering, life-changing event. And they say, and the angel says, don't be afraid. And then the angel does something that's so significant. And I, I, I don't think I'd missed it before, but it didn't hit me in the same way as it has these last few weeks. When I read this gospel text again last month, I was just so blown away by what the, the angel of the Lord does next. So it's after this earthquake. It's after this angel's descended and rolled the stone away. It's after the guards are in fear like dead people looking at the stone. The angel says to them, don't be afraid. I know that you have come here to look for Jesus who has been crucified, but he's no longer here. He has been risen. And then he invites them into the tomb. He invites them to come and see the place where Jesus' body has been laid. And for the disciples, I think this is now the symbol of the deepest despair of their life. This is the symbol of the greatest loss they've ever experienced. This is the symbol of the greatest sorrow they've ever gone through. Is the tomb where their teacher, their friend, their rabbi, their savior was laid, buried after he was crucified. It is the symbol of sorrow, brokenness, and death for them. And the angel doesn't invite them to get over it. The angel doesn't invite them around it or to go under it. The angel of the Lord invites them directly into the tomb where they only saw death and sorrow and said, look at how the Lord has brought life and resurrection in the place that you only know now as death. Jesus has brought life. He is risen. 
He is risen indeed. And so it's, it's such an incredible challenge to my heart that the places that I look and see only despair, brokenness, and loss, how am I invited by the Spirit of God to look at how Jesus is working towards redemption and resurrection in those places? How many times in my life do I like to put stones over those places of death and sorrow, no longer to look at them, keep them covered, keep them and hidden and I don't want to acknowledge their existence and yet perhaps the spirit of the living God is asking for me to look directly into those places and see how Jesus is redeeming and restoring and bringing life to the places I only see now as dead what if that's the call of the church the church to call and say, do you see these places that you only see as darkness? Christ has brought light. Do you see these places where you only see brokenness and injustice and a lack of mercy? Jesus brings wholeness, restoration, and resurrection to these places. We are the ones who invite those to look at the places we'd rather keep hidden and say, no, Jesus is on the move in restoring and bringing resurrection and life. So we too are going to be those people that bring about that perspective, that hope in the world as well. Well then, the women, I've just been struck by that message and I hope that that, that is something that you ponder as well from this text. But the angel of the Lord, then after he invites them into the tomb, he looks at the women and he says, go and tell Christ's disciples that he is risen. And they leave with both excitement and fear. They leave with, um, with unexpected feelings of mixed emotions, but they go and they prepare to bring this message of resurrection to the rest of the disciples. And something so significant is happening here and I don't want us to miss it. You see, in the first garden, the Garden of Eden, who was it that picked the first fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? It was Eve, right? And Eve's name means the mother of life. And she gave it to her husband, her, her, uh, her brother, her husband, Adam. And Adam means all of humanity. So that's why I say brother, because Adam doesn't just represent the individual Adam, but all of humanity. Adamaha is what the Hebrew word is for humanity, right? So that's what we call humanity. So Eve takes that first fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and hands it to Adam to eat, to be nourished by. And this is the starting of the rupture of relationship between humanity and God. And in the garden of the tomb, in all four gospel accounts, it is the women, the female disciples of Jesus Christ that is given the first fruits of the resurrection to then go and give it to the rest of humanity in the world. Those in my tradition like to say, if it wasn't for women preachers, there would be no knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus. They are then sent to carry the first fruits of the resurrection to all of humanity in the world. And we now are, are descendants, are recipients of that same message of hope of the resurrection because they obeyed and went and spoke the good news of the resurrection. 
And that word of, of disciple means both female and male disciples. And so they went to go and tell the rest of Christ's disciples that he has been raised from the dead. But here's something else significant that happens here. They are on the way with mixed emotions, with both fear and joy, not knowing what has happened uh, with Christ's resurrection. Resurrection is a, seems to be such a, a frightening yet hope-filled and joyful reality. And they are on the way to share this good news. And Jesus meets them on the way. He doesn't leave them alone. They are in obedience, faithfully going to spread the good news. And Jesus meets them on the road. The, spirit, the, the angel of the Lord says, he's already gone ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus isn't waiting around for the work of the resurrection to take place. He's already gone ahead into Galilee to start and continue this work of redemption and resurrection in the world. And so the, the, the women are going to share this good news and he meets them on the way to Galilee to share the rest of this good news. Well, we, we love to talk about how the Holy Spirit goes before us. And how the Holy Spirit is, is take, before every step, before every word, before every thought. The prevenient grace of God is always going before us in every decision that we make. Planning and shaping the best possible outcomes for us. If we walk in humility and truth with Jesus, we participate with that ongoing work going before us in the world. It's a beautiful picture of God's love. The spirit of the Lord goes before us in everything we think, say, and do, shaping the best possible avenue if we but just walk in humility and joy in the truth of the resurrection. And we see a picture of that here, that the women are not left alone to go and spread this good news, but Jesus meets them on the way to go with them to Galilee to share this good news. I want to encourage you today that wherever we are going in this life, where we are right now, where we are headed, Jesus is not only gone before us, to, to proclaim the redemption of God through his resurrection. But Jesus will meet us on our way to encourage us. What does he say to them? He says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my disciples. His first words are peace. Do not be afraid. Go and share the good news of the resurrection. So wherever we go, no matter as a culture, as a country, as a world, as a people, as a church, no matter where we're headed, Jesus has gone before us to pursue the redemption of God in the world and will meet us on the way to continue that work. I want to encourage you today that we as the church, we've been called to be evidence where people feel, see, and hear the, the, the evidence of the resurrection in the world. When people encounter us, I want them to be able to feel and see and hear the evidence of the resurrection in and through us. That we're not just a people who speak a good news. We're not a people who just bring about an experience of the good news. We're not just a people who make sure that they see good news, but we want a world that is so encountered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ through us that they see, experience, hear the totality of the resurrection of Christ in the world. 
so that then they can carry that good news, that evidence of redemption, restoration with them in the world as well, so that others can hear, see, and feel the evidence of the resurrection in the world. We have been given a powerful message, and we do not need to be afraid. We can go no matter what challenges our world brings us. And we are in a very challenging time right now. But we do not need to be afraid. We need to find all the avenues to be creative, to be aware, to be open, to spread this good news so that others can experience the fullness of the resurrection through us. I want to encourage you that Jesus is not only gone before you in this work, Jesus has already been where we're going to go, but Jesus is going to meet us along the way and continuously say to us, don't be afraid. Go and tell the good news of the resurrection. My friends, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I want to pray with you right now that we just, I could, I could keep preaching on this for the whole rest of the day and you have nothing better to do so I could have a captive audience, right? But I, I just want to leave you with that word that, that we are to be this, this foretaste, this, this experience of the resurrection for others where they only see darkness and despair, that we can roll away those stones and invite people in to see how God, our God, is on the move, restoring and healing and bringing life. Where we only now see death, we can see the redemption of Christ on the move. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord God, we are so in awe and just just completely in, in, in awe of the work that you've done in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, that you are not a, a God of, of uh, quick fixes, that you look at death and you don't try to, to stop it from happening, Lord God, but you defeat it. You reverse it. You settle chaos. You are not a God that takes easy ways out, but you entered into death yourself, taking on all the brokenness and despair of the world and, and restoring humanity back to the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. So I pray, Lord God, that as we understand that you are a death reverser, that you are, are a chaos settler, that you are a, a destruction restoring God, that we too would be that foretaste of resurrection to others who only know despair, who only know fear, who only know a lack of justice. May we be that foretaste of resurrection in any way that we can in this world today. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.